Adams Politics with Trevor Dan on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, welcome to a CAMS Politics special reviewing last Thursday's local elections. It was good news for Labour and for the Greens and even for the seatless Conservatives in Cambridge City. Out of town, East CAMS failed to deliver the promised upset for the Lib Dems, but perhaps the most bizarre local result was in a parish council election in the village of Streatham. More on all of that with our political analyst Phil Rogers. And we're devoting much of our show today to an interview with Anna Smith, leader of the victorious Labour group on Cambridge City Council and therefore set to carry on as leader of the council. So we'll find out her views on traffic, housing, education and lots of other issues. But first, those all important numbers. So, Phil, how does your predictions work out for the Cambridge City Council election? I was so close this year. So every year I try and do these predictions. It's it's just a bit of fun, really, um, deciding how I think each seat is going to go. And this time we had 17 seats up and I got 16 of them right. So the, oh. the only one that got away was Newnham. So uh, Not bad. Green... So pick out the uh, the big stories as you see them. So really the big story was the swing to the Conservatives in every single seat in Cambridge. Uh, some to a greater extent, some to a lesser extent. The biggest swing was 19% in Cherry Hinton, and that really is a very substantial movement in the vote. That's the sort of thing you normally only see in a by-election, and it certainly gave Labour a nasty shock. Let's just revisit this for a second. So in every seat, including the ones where the Labour Party won easily, there was still a swing to the Tories. I mean, that's so against the national picture, isn't it? Yes, particularly when you bear in mind what's been happening nationally and we've seen the conservatives lose a thousand over a thousand seats i think but the traffic has very much been in the other direction in cambridge albeit it didn't actually result in the conservatives taking any seats they came pretty close in cherry hinton and they sort of certainly narrowed the gap in a few other wards help us to understand why cherry hinton was a special case this time well i think that's one ward where the Conservatives were really focusing some of their energies. And a particular issue for them is that when the general election comes, Cherry Hinton is going to move out of the city constituency into the new South Cambridgeshire seat. So they clearly want to boost their vote there as well for that. So they they were working harder, the Conservatives were working harder in Cherry Hinton because they want that momentum to carry forward into the next general election. Yes, and and uh, Zachary Marsh, their candidate, it has to be said, uh, ran a very active campaign and uh, certainly put a lot of effort in. Okay, the Greens had a success. What do you attribute that to? Yes, I think the Greens will be very pleased with how things turned out. They held on to their seat in in Abbey, uh, even though their their councillor there was standing down, and uh, they also captured Newnham, and that was coming from from third place to. Uh, take the seat for the first time first time for the greens i think certainly as long as i can remember anyway so they'll have been extremely pleased with how that turned out here's the successful green candidate for the newnham ward jean glasberg who was talking to matt webb well it's an absolutely incredible result of course we're really delighted with it on the doorstep i've had the most amazing support from people in newnham and i'm really grateful to them i mean this is my community and i'm going to be very proud to represent them what are the big pressing issues you kind of want to get stuck into in the ward? Environmental issues overall. I mean, I'm a member of Friends of the River Cam. We all know the problems that there are with over-abstraction and sewage. And I'm hoping that we can get some action on those quickly. But our green spaces in general, protecting our green spaces, they're just so important for people in the city. Um, and I hope we can do more on that. 
And in terms of the national picture, obviously you must be pleased with how the Greens are doing on, on the national scale at the moment. Absolutely. And I mean, here in Cambridge, we've now got 10% of the council. So I think we're showing that we, we can win here and we can make a difference. So overall, Labour were down two, Lib Dems and Greens both up one. It's pretty much a steady-as-you-go election result overall, I guess. Yes, if we keep on having results like this, then Labour will stay in control of the City Council. The big challenge for them is if Labour get in nationally and then people get more fed up with the government as time goes on, how does that bear out to local election results? And then we shouldn't forget that there was also an election on Thursday in East Cams where the Tories were very dominant and one of their councillors also won a county council by-election in Soham. He's Bill Hunt and this is what he had to say at the count. Yes, of course, I think this reflects uh, truer, a wider cross-section of the people in a county division than the wards in a district council. So it gives a true picture of what the people of East Cambridgeshire actually think of local government. And I think it's worthy of note that this result comes from six settlements and it's had minimal interference of a benevolent kind from outside groups. And so therefore this is a true picture of really what the people of East Cams think about their politicians. As Bill Hunt, one of the successful Conservatives in East Cams. It's extraordinary, isn't it, how different East Cams and even more Fenland are to Cams and South Cams. I mean, they're just poles apart, aren't they? Yes, the Conservatives very dominant indeed in Fenland, and I think they won all but a handful of the seats there. Uh, East Cams was real knife-edge stuff, and the Lib Dems were very hopeful of uh, just getting over the line. But as it turned out, it, it ended up 15-13 to the Conservatives, the same result as last time. And we think, I mean, and we'll talk about this with Anna Smith in a minute, I'm sure at some length, but the congestion charge or the STZ has got to have played a big part in East Cams as well as in the city. Yes, it wasn't the only issue, but it certainly did feature heavily in the Conservative literature. Free parking is uh, another issue there, that uh, and, and keeping the council tax low and without increases over many years is uh, certainly something else the Conservatives have featured in their campaigns. We should just mention, because John Elworthy talked about it at some length a couple of weeks ago, the extraordinary goings-on in Streatham, where the parish council had 22 candidates for 11 seats. Normally, people are running around a village like Streatham, and they say, please stand, we haven't got anyone. And this is all to do with a development in the middle of town. And so you were either on the pro-hub side, which would involve um, the selling of the parish rooms, or you were anti-hub. And uh, the final results were two to pro-hub, and nine to anti-hub. So that's a that's an anti-hub gain in Streatham. That's a I like that story because it's about local politics and local action, and it's absolutely nothing with the, to do with the national picture, is it? Yes, you certainly don't normally see this sort of thing. And as you say, parish councils are often just sort of filled by co-opting people who are prepared to go along and uh, and take part. But there was a real battle going on there. And, uh, you know, that's democracy in action. People don't well, want the hub. They vote for anti-hub candidates. That's right. Uh, don't go anywhere because we'll talk to you again, Phil, in a minute. We'll have a piece of music now and then we'll meet the successful leader of the Labour group on the City Council, Anna Smith.
Searchers and when you walk in the room on CAMS Politics. Hello, I'm Trevor Dan and we're delighted to have with us now the leader of Cambridge City Council. It's Anna Smith. So Anna, what's your reaction to retaining power? Well, we're obviously absolutely delighted. Um, 27 seats on the council is our second best ever number of seats. Every sitting councillor who restood was re-elected and we've also got some really, really outstanding new councillors as well. You know, we've we've been in control of the council for nine years now and I'm just incredibly grateful to people in Cambridge for continuing to put their trust in us to run the city. One of the important things that came out of the election for, for Phil Rogers, we were just talking about this, was that there was actually a swing against you towards the Conservatives in every single seat, even the ones that you won. Why do you think they did surprisingly well? Well, clearly, as a group, we will be sitting down over the next weeks and months and we will be analysing the conversations we've had on the doorstep to help us answer that question. But I think the really clear thing is that the Tories threw everything at Cambridge this time around. They haven't really put in much of an effort for several years now. This time was different. They clearly felt they had an issue they could campaign strongly on. My understanding is that there were people from outside of Cambridge, all sorts of places in Cherry Hinton. So with the effort they made, I think what strikes me is we still do not have a single Tory councillor on Cambridge. Quite close though, wasn't it? Clearly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, yes. And one of the things that really, really gets my goat when I've been watching national politics over the years is when people sit there and they go, oof, protest vote, as if somehow it kind of doesn't matter and it's not important. There's an issue that people feel incredibly strongly about. And it's really important that everybody who spoke to us, whether that was for or against, we listened to. And we need to, I will obviously be having conversations with the team in Cherry Hinton over the the next week or so. I want to hear what they've been hearing on the doorstep, because we need to not jump to any conclusions about reasons, but we need to listen to what people have been saying to us. That's really important. Before we leave Cherry Hinton, do you accept that with the move of that particular ward into the South Cams constituency, that that's going to make South Cams at the general election into a three-way marginal? Well, interestingly, I I was saying this the other week because I I, I think Phil might have picked up that there's a bit of a thing goes on Twitter about kind of dodgy Lib Dem bar charts. And there was a right kind of corker in one of the Cherry Hinton leaflets, which was quoting the results from South Cam's constituency, which Cherry Hinton aren't currently in for an election, which was a national one that we weren't currently fighting. It was just absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) And South Cam's is going to be incredibly different It's got very different boundaries. Clearly, the Tories are terrified about losing it, which is why they were throwing so many people at Cherry Hinton. You know, it's a very, very clear sign that they're really worried about it. Now, there's all sorts of electoral polling sites and they're just that, they're polling sites. But some polling sites are putting, as you say, very much a potential three-way marginal in South Cams. So it's really going to be the sort of constituency where you can vote for who you want, (laughs) because everyone's going to be potentially within a few hundred votes of each other, I suspect, certainly on paper. Now, we have to see how that campaign plays out, but I don't think it's looking great for the Tories at the moment, particularly looking at the national picture. Okay, so let's tackle the elephant in the room, uh, which is, of course, the STZ. We were talking the other day on Cambridge 105 Radio about how 
the use of the words congestion charge have not really helped you and the Liberal Democrats and the Greater Cambridge Partnership, because that's just one part of the proposal as a whole, isn't it? And yet it's the only part that seems to have cut through because people go, oh, I'm not paying five pounds to bring my car into town. Do you think actually whatever happens, you're going to have to think about a different way of selling the plan? Certainly the word STZ has not really cut through, has it? And not I absolutely all, accept no. that. And, you know, sometimes as a politician, you have to accept that you might use a certain set of phrases and people are going to just go, no, that's not the phrase I'm choosing to use. I think we do. Whatever happens, we have to be really, really clear in what we're proposing, if anything, because we've always said, and the thing we have tried to say, and I appreciate that people often want very, very cut and dried. And we've always said we are listening. We have 25,000 people who have completed a consultation. That's a huge number of people. Every answer has got three text boxes in it. It takes a long time for the independent allies to do their work on that. And we have always said, and we will continue to say, we need to look at that analysis before we make any decisions because it is completely disrespectful to anybody who filled in that consultation. It took quite a lot of time to fill it in if all we're going to do is say, well, we've decided now. But one of the things about Labour is we, we knock on doors and we knock on doors all year. But clearly during a campaign, you're knocking on more doors. I would be very surprised if the scheme in its current form is what is taken on. Now, that's not to say there will definitely be any scheme at all. I've always said we will look at the consultation responses and then we will decide whether to proceed with something or not. And we will look at what that something is. This is a political world where those short, sharp phrases like take back control and get Brexit done and those kind of phrases dominate politics. You know, if, if the STZ was called the, you know, get rid of traffic congestion scheme or something or make make the roads work, people might understand it. It's, it just seems to me that, that you've lost a lot of goodwill because the opponents of the plan have been able to concentrate on just that one issue. Trevor, I think there's a job for you as a comms officer if you ever want one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm noting down those, those suggestions. Um, I mean, and Sustainable Travel Zone, of course, was, was designed to try to get that across. But I think it's really important that some of the messages that we had right from the start, we, we, we've always had several red lines. I mean, as a, as a Labour group, when we were discussing whether to even allow it to go to consultation, we were very, very clear that even something that went to consultation, and you tend to consult on the larger package to then kind of just have something to be able to get kind of a discussion on. Even at that point, we were not prepared to let anything even go to consultation if there wasn't a guarantee buses would improve first. And if there wasn't a guarantee that, for example, people on low incomes would have either exemptions or significant mitigations, that people who were immunocompromised, um, who couldn't go on buses, wouldn't suffer as a result of this. So we've been really clear on those things all the way through. And yes, absolutely. I think we do have to look at how we communicate that. I would say that sometimes that isn't all about us. So I know that there have often been times where I've offered to talk about this, but people aren't really interested in that kind of nuanced perspective. So what you potentially get is somebody running a discussion program to get someone that's rabidly for and rabidly against and let's have a debate 
which means that sometimes that that nuance doesn't land because we don't have the chance to put it across. I'm going to put it to you that actually Elisa Mischini, who I think led on this for many of us in the media, did come out all guns blazing. I mean, she was trying to sell this. I mean, I know that there's talk about, well, it's just a consultation document. But I think Elisa was, was you know, up on the, uh, on the lectern telling us it was a good idea. In fact, she said to me, I find that when I talk to people, uh, it usually takes me, I think she said, half an hour, but I can always bring them round to it. Now, that really was her selling this. And I think it's going to be a little bit embarrassing, isn't it, if you have to pull back from that position? Not at all. I mean, I think there's a difference between people having a personal view and a personal passion and a sense of what they would like to see. And the fact that we are Democrats and you don't go out to a consultation if you're not prepared to listen to what it has to say. And I think for all of us, that's absolutely at the core. And there were people who came into this as cynics. There were people who came into this as evangelists. There were people who came into this saying, don't really have a view yet. I want to hear what people have to say. But for all of us, we are elected to serve and to listen. And for all of us, whatever our political colour, that's what we need to be doing in the, in the weeks and months ahead. This is Campus Politics. I'm Trevor Dan. Anna Smith, the leader of uh, Cambridge City Council, is our guest. And we'll continue the conversation after this. to have them back. That's Everything But The Girl, Tracy Thorne and Ben Watt. And that's their new single, which is called Nothing Left To Lose. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. Anna Smith, uh, you said in your manifesto that you were going to tackle the housing crisis in Cambridge. You want to build more council homes. You want to support the homeless. You want to stand up for private renters. How much of this can you realistically do if you can't persuade the government to put up the grant? Very good point. So there is a lot. We Our commitment has always been to doing as much as we possibly can. And for a council our size, we've done a huge amount. So we've built hundreds of council homes. I was down in Ironworks just the other week, and it's gorgeous. And it's the top quality homes for our council tenants. It's a beautiful place to live. They're really nicely built. What is it, 117 council properties on that site, 117 properties on the Cromwell Road site at the other side of the station as well. So we're for, for a council our size, that commitment we have, we're doing a great deal. And we have people who are excellent at getting the money that we need. So you I would mind if I to... just interrupt you just on a very small point because it came yeah. up the other day. Those council properties on the ironworks, if people move into them, will they then be able to buy them and then sell them and then you'll lose them as council properties? Well, government right to buy is utterly out of our hands. And I so the answer to that opposed. is yes. The actually, answer is it? yes. You know, mm. I mean, and it's something that many of us in Cambridge City Council are utterly opposed to. Um a council property, in my opinion, should stay a council property. But um, I did just want to tell you the story of, um, in terms of getting the funding for those, those properties, Lewis Herbert and Councillor Kevin Price, um, two of our sadly now former councillors, were able to secure funding for 500 council homes at the time of the devolution deal. And that was pretty unheard of anywhere else that a district council was able to secure that kind of funding. 
so we've been quite good at it. But to answer your question, yes, it is only going to be with a Labour government that we are going to be. I mean, I'm not promising that a Labour government is going to have a magic wand for everything. But we have a Tory government who is just not interested in funding a lot of this, whether that's council houses, whether that's decent public transport. And as a local council, you can commit to doing the very best you can with the funding that you've got. But we have no core government grant at all. You know, we have a significant shortfall that we have to make up. We balance our budgets every year, but we will have to make savings every year for the next few years unless we get a change of government and a better funding settlement for local councils. So we can do what we can, but absolutely undeniably, local councils can only do so much. Now, uh, you used to be a teacher. Absolutely, yeah. What do you think of... um what's going on in our schools the teachers taking strike action and so on i mean is it, this is none of this is your personal responsibility but i just wonder what you think of that as as a as an ex teacher so I, I spent 18 years teaching and i still work with teachers as an advisor these days and i know how much for teachers and for any other public sector worker strike action is so much a last resort nobody wants to do that You know, people go into teaching, people go into the public sector, people become nurses and doctors and hospital workers because they want to serve. And in most cases, they're choosing jobs that are significantly lower paid than jobs they potentially get elsewhere because they care. They have a sense of vocation. So nobody takes a strike action unless they absolutely have to. And, you know, I have stood and supported the um, NEU strike rallies. Teachers do not make these kind of decisions if they've got any other option and they hate it because you don't want to take a day's education away from your young people. But I'm afraid to say the responsibility for this is absolutely with the government because they won't get round the table. They won't come to proper agreements. They have to stop treating the public sector like this. Now, no one's saying there's a bottomless purse, but you can't stand up and clap for the NHS and clap for our public sector workers. You know, people that, it feels so long ago now, lockdown, but when we all were told to go and work at home, teachers were still in school providing education face-to-face for the children of public sector workers who were also still there working face-to-face at a time when there was no vaccine, we didn't know what we were dealing with, And it just feels to me like the whole public sector is getting an absolutely enormous kick in the teeth from a government that, quite frankly, barely often a lot of members of that government don't even use the public services that they are kicking. And it just feels utterly wrong to me. Okay, let me talk more, uh, if I may, about you. As well as being leader of Labour in the City Council and therefore the leader of the council, you've also got this role as deputy mayor and you are, you were actually the acting mayor weren't you when nick johnson was in hospital how on earth did you manage to find the time to do all that <laughs> um yeah it was it was quite a challenge but um i had lots of fantastic support from from colleagues at the council and the combined authority officer team and the other leaders who are on the combined authority support um board there was there was a great deal of of kind of co-working and mutual support i must say it was something i never expected when I got the call from Nick letting me know that he had to go into hospital, it was obviously, you know, kind of put me on the back foot a little bit and, and thinking about what it was going to be like. But I, I absolutely loved that chance to serve. 
and it was a real privilege to be able to support Nikita's absence in that way and I would never have wanted it in those circumstances. Well, given your mixed And I'm port- so thrilled Nick is back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, given your mixed portfolio, Annie, you're a very good person to discuss the whole business of the way we are governed locally and the um, the shape of all these often overlapping and in- interleaving organisations, different councils, different partnerships. Does it need simplification? I'm going to give a, this sounds like a politician's answer and it genuinely isn't. Well, that's what you are, Anna. I mean, you can Well, I hate to say that because I'm a teacher, really. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think I have to, probably have to own the term after eight years as a councillor. But um, (laughs) I think we always talk about structures as if structures are the major issue. And actually, what I've increasingly learned, particularly during my time at the Combined Authority, but also as my time as leader of the council, is the issue wasn't really the structure. The issue was about the funding and the power. Because you can create whatever system of structures you like. And if you have a central government who eke out little funding pots for particular projects with sometimes, and I'm not joking, sometimes under a week's notice to put together bids. And then you're all up against a whole lot of other people who have pulled together a bid at the last minute as well. And some of you get it and some of you don't. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) And often money is devolved, but then the power is not devolved. So I think... When we talk about devolution, the very first thing we need to do is properly devolve power to local government. And I think that is so much more important than the discussion around what structures we put in place, because it doesn't matter what structures we have in place. I think there's a point here, though. We don't have the power. If if you want to devolve that power, there's still a question about who you you devolve it to. You know, do you devolve it to the GCP or do you devolve it to the county council or the city council or the district councils? You know, you've got to have some plan, I think, for structure if you're going to make any financial distribution work. Yeah, and clearly the system we have at the moment has has several layers and there are very clear and set out different roles ac- across those layers. So, for example, council housing is our role. So health and social care is the county council's role. There, there are very clear things. However, I think one of the frustrations, if you're a member of the public is that constant you talk to your councillor and you say this needs to be sorted out and your councillor says not me gov yeah (laughs) it's them and so one of the things i think we all need to get better at is working in real teamwork and unity across councils now that has become for me immeasurably easier since the county council stopped being run by the tories because we now have a county council who is willing to work with us and is willing to share responsibilities so you know on issues say anti-poverty work where actually there's a reasonable amount of overlap in practice because some aspects say of social care are also about anti-poverty and some funding pots will go to the county but maybe some of the work we're actually doing so there's a much greater sense of a willingness to work together and of course you know I can sit down not only with Elisa but also with Lucy we can have a conversation about what we do to work together effectively so I think one of the things that we need to get better at and this is something we've we've talked about a lot actually um, internally as a council is making sure that when someone asks us maybe comes to Mandela House or phones up and says I need this sorting out that we don't just say go somewhere else but we actually take some responsibility for saying I know who you need to call and I'll give them a call or I'll give me your number and we actually join that up 
because yes I mean it's clearly very frustrating when a lot of the things that were being discussed on the doorstep this time around were actually not our responsibilities mm -hmm. as a council but that's up to us I think as as local politicians to work together effectively as a team. Let's talk about how you work together collegially uh, as well uh, with your fellow councillors. And this is Cam's Politics on Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm Trevor Dan. Anna Smith is our guest. And we will have more after this. Oasis on Cambridge 105 Radio, Cam's Politics. Anna Smith is still with us, leader of Cambridge City Council. So, Anna, you were talking about the way that you can work with Lucy Netzinger and the Lib Dems. How do you work with your colleagues from the Greens and the Lib Dems on the council? I mean, I've watched a few of the uh, live streams from the council. It often doesn't seem to be very civil or perhaps not as civil as you would expect it to be. So I think one has to remember that everybody is a politician. And sometimes, and particularly I would say this in council meetings, it is not, you know, I have certainly challenged people in the past where I have felt that people have made extremely petty political points that are not helpful. One of my absolute bugbears is where you set the budget and someone will say, well, we should do this thing in the budget. And you give one of two answers because it happens to be true. Either we don't need a budget bid for that because this isn't about policies per se, it's about having the money to do the policies. Or you say, actually, that's already in trade. We don't need a budget because it's happening. But it gets put, even though people have been told that by officers, as well as by us, they still insist on making a big thing about it. And you think this feels to me incredibly petty. And I think Cambridge deserves better than that kind of thing. And by the way, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm sure all parties in opposition do similar things, but it feels for me just that doesn't seem a good use of anybody's time. Do they do it just to but get something on social media? It's You get it on and you then you can... I mean, I've been on record a couple of times of saying, you know, I expect to see this in the next leaflet. You know, we are, we've called for this and look, it's happened. Um, and that, when you're trying to do your very best for the city, I have to say, does get deeply frustrating. What I would also, of course, want to acknowledge is that every councillor, pretty much for every party, goes into politics to serve. And every local councillor is there because they want to serve their residents. And what is absolutely vital for us as a governing group is that we would never treat any ward differently because they were a red ward or a green ward or a yellow ward or whatever. The residents of the ward get service according to what they need and not according to whether they've got our councillors or not. And I think that's absolutely vital because as a council, we serve the whole city. We don't just serve the people who voted for us, we serve the whole city. That has to be always an absolute bottom line. And of course, that means that often, and particularly when the cameras aren't rolling, we sometimes, we will have to sit together sometimes and we will have to talk things through and we will have to come to joint conclusions. And that's essential. Everyone understands that that's often essential in politics for the good of the people that you serve. We talked about the national picture a little while ago. How do you think Keir Starmer's doing? I think I remember you telling me how good Jeremy Corbyn was not very long ago. I think we have an absolutely spectacular front bench at the moment. I mean, they are doing an extremely fine job for me. And I have to say that one of the bizarre things, of course, about being a local councillor 
is that your focus is so much on your local council. You're not always the best place to do the kind of national watching because you're busy in the meeting and not watching the news. But they are clearly a government in waiting. We, we have a fantastic MP in Daniel, who, of course, is, is on the shadow front bench, doing a great job on that. And he is one of a, of a team of really fantastic front benchers. And you look at the shambolic Tory government, and there was a point last year where you literally, I know it, people keep saying this, but you really didn't know if you wrote a letter to a minister whether it was going to get to the same minister by the time it got there, because it was like people were in and out with, within days of each other. I and mean, it was a, absolutely no stability, no continuity. That kind of thing is so bad for government. It's so bad for the people they serve. You know, they can't even get their act together because they're so taken up with their internal fighting. And you look at that and then you look at our Labour MPs and it's so different and it's so professional. And we had some excellent results yesterday, places like Medway, places like Brighton, places I think I read that Canterbury is now back in um, Labour control as well. You know, places across the country that have become Labour for the first time in quite a while. Now, I'm the first person to say that when you vote in a local election, you should vote on local issues. You're voting for the person that helps you get your bin collected on time, build your council houses. It shouldn't be a referendum. But clearly people have faith in Labour. And that's really showing in what's happened in a lot of councils, where I think we think we I think now Labour has the most councillors for the first time in 10, 20 years, I think, across this country. So here you are about to embark on another stretch as leader of Cambridge mm-hmm. City Council. You were telling me earlier that you're knackered. Um, <laughs> so uh, we wish you well getting over all that. What I'll be fine tomorrow. But... <laughs> yeah, what am I going to notice in Cambridge as a result of you being back in power? What's going to change or improve because you're there and not the other guys? So... First of all, you will notice that the things we have always valued are the things we will continue to value. And I I think that's really important. I was talking about the Tory government and their lack of stability and continuity. We have a strong endorsement from the people of Cambridge. The kind of things we are doing are the things that people want us to see. The food poverty work, for example, the building of council houses. I was out just before the short campaign at our council depot looking at some of our new eco bin lorries, which was so much more exciting than it sounds and those are the kind of really practical things that we are doing so we'll see a lot of that Um, we've got some particular things in mind that we want to really emphasize so for example you might have seen in our manifesto we're looking to have a dedicated youth strategy we'll be sitting down with our colleagues in the county council to come across to really think about something that brings that together because over the years the county when it was under the previous administration really cut back on so much youth work and we were left putting things in place to kind of pick up the pieces but what we need is a dedicated youth strategy for our city so it's things like that that we want to look at what we're doing want to really build on it and we want to keep doing all we can I have to say and I say this every time I'm on I know that we are in a situation where funding is appalling, we are going to have to keep making those difficult decisions too. Right. So well, what fun- I can guarantee on that is that we will always sit down and do that in a really evidence-based way and in a way that prioritises the most vulnerable in our community. Right, one final question. You're the leader of Cambridge City Council. I told somebody yesterday that you were coming on the show 
I said, what would you like to ask her? And he said, potholes. Now, I'm going to, I, I'm fully aware that there is a potential answer, which is it's the other guy's fault. But maybe it's not true. But I would guess that some people, when you go knocking on doors, will have said, sort the potholes out, Anna. Potholes. What can we do about that? What, you, what can you rather do about that? Well, so that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I don't think it's, yes, you're right. That is, that's not in our remit kind of answer, but I don't think that's a good enough answer to give people. So what I do, what we all do as city councillors, both as a leadership and as individual councillors in our ward, is we have to have those conversations with our county colleagues. So there are some fantastic council, county councillors in, in my ward. One of them is vice chair of the Highways Committee. And so I will have a conversation with Neil and we will talk about what, what the plans are going to be. So we have to work together. Um, the other thing I point out, and I appreciate this is small comfort to somebody when, and I've done it myself, you know, you're driving down the road, you're trying to avoid the holes. But the, there was huge huge underfunding for so many years from the previous administration and if you look this time last year you could see that the new administration the council was really getting on top of that you know my by, you know I, I was kind of not able to take the car off the drive for, for a couple of days because the road around the corner was being resurfaced and and you could see there was a huge effort now that winter my understanding is last winter just created potholes that that frost that cold snap we had before christmas cause so much damage that now there's so much more to catch up on. So I think that's really going to be about all of us to work together. Um, one of the things that we're very keen to do, it was a manifesto promise for the um, county Labour group when they went into the joint administration. It's something they're very committed to. We want to reinstate the Cambridge Joint Area Committee, CJAC, as it was known. Now, this used to be a kind of I say small scale transport committee that makes it sound not very important, but CGAC used to do things like decide whether local highways improvement funding for the city was going to go, for example. I sat on it when I was first a councillor and that was a really good opportunity. It was it was members of the city and the county council, all of whom were in the city. The Tory administration at county scrapped it. We're going to bring that back, we hope. And Something like that also gives a forum for us to discuss that together and to do that in public in a transparent way where people can come along and they can talk and we can hear from officers, we can ask questions. So that's quite a long answer to say we have to play our part. Anna Smith, thank you for giving up so much of your time. Um, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Come and see us again soon. You too. Absolutely and, well, yes. <laughs> brilliant. Anna Smith is uh, the leader of the Labour Group and therefore leader of the City Council here in Cambridge. This is Cam's Politics. I'm Trevor Dan, and here's a tune. More from Phil Rogers in a minute. Phil Rogers is still with me. It's Cam's Politics. And um, what did you make of... Anna Smith, she's a, a very competent performer, isn't she? Yes, I mean, she's had a lot of practice at talking about all these issues. And she's right, Labour did do well in the elections. They won, I think, eight and a half wards uh, of the 14. So if they carry on doing that, they can carry on running the city council. Though they did lose a couple of seats this time. 
And we also saw the quite substantial swing to the Conservatives in some areas. And while that didn't win the Conservatives any seats, it's certainly something Labour will be concerned about. What's the relationship, do you think, between Anna and the rest of the Labour group? Has it changed since Lewis Herbert left? Well, when you have a a group that's as dominant as Labour are in Cambridge at the moment, there's, there's always the risk of dissent within the group becoming an issue because you don't have a sort of an opposition battering away at you to, to keep you all together, uh, or at least not to the same extent. And clearly, there is a spectrum of opinion within the Cambridge Labour Party on a number of issues, not least congestion charging. Nevertheless, we're not really seeing very much of that from outside the group at the moment. And uh, Anna does seem to be holding things together, I think. So here we are. It's uh, it's May. I'm not even sure we're doing a show in June. But if we do, what will we be talking about? What's uh, What are the next issues that are going to be part of the CAMS politics agenda? Well, the big question for Cambridge is what happens now with congestion charging? Clearly, there's been quite a reaction against it uh, within the latest uh, election results. But the next steps are going to be very crucial to uh, whether it goes forward and in, in what form it goes forward. And and that's all going to be happening in the sort of early weeks of June. So that's the timetable. Do, do we know a specific date when the consultation is going to be revealed? Well, first of all, it goes to the GCP. And then if they decide to put it forward to the county council, the county council will have to take the decision on whether to go ahead. And there are meeting dates already set up. I think the GCP assembly is sometime in the first week of June and the papers for that will be published about a week ahead. So that's probably when we'll get some sight of what's going to happen next. Phil Rogers, thanks as ever. And uh, thanks for keeping the radio station and all our listeners across the count the other day. Um, it, was, it was great to hear you and Matt Webb together on the balcony at the Sports Centre. Uh, it's always, always fun doing and that. And what right happened here. to the yellow football that was stuck in the roof? Well, I did actually see a tweet from the Sports Centre itself uh, saying it was on their to-do list <laughs> to come and remove it. But uh, I'm glad they didn't do that in the middle of the count because it was, certainly would have given some of the counters a bit of a surprise. All right. Thanks very much, Phil. Take it easy. See you next month. This is Campus Politics. Right. It's a TDC production for Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm Trevor Dan, and we'll see you very soon. Yeah, yeah.